table thing. You know what I'm talking about. Those of you that stay and help with chairs, instead of tear the chairs down, rearrange and put some tables in. Uh, just pretend like you know what you're doing. Somebody will show you. And then the second thing I want to say is this. Coming up in uh, November on the 15th, our little outing to East Valley Vineyard, uh, they are, that, this is a fairly new, couple-year-ish old church plant in Silverton. A friend of mine named Benson Short is the pastor there. You guys, some of you remember Benson spoke here for me a few weeks ago when I was gone. Uh, they also share a facility like we do. They meet in another church, and because, but they only have one room, not two, so they don't do what we do. They actually meet on Saturday nights. So we're going to just go out there. The whole idea is just to bless them. So we're going to go and do the service. Sarah and our team will be leading worship that night. Uh, I'll be teaching, and I'd love some of you to come along and just help pray for people and bless them and just share. So if you can get away that night, it'd be fun. It's a, I think it's a 6 o'clock service, something like that. But, um, you know, check with me later. But that'd be fun to go. Wouldn't it be fun? Just do that. Okay, so check that out. That's uh, all I have. So um, we've been talking about the church the last few weeks. Kind of some of the... Uh, the way the church functions, there, there are, there, we've used four illustrations of how uh, the church functions, how it works, uh, the roles that we play, both internally and externally with one another and in the world today. We started talking about the church the first week as a hospital. It's a place of healing. Um, one of the things I said, it, it was really key, I think, is that uh, we, we've always in the vineyard said, come as you are. It, you know, sometimes life uh, you just, you, you know, Beat you up a little bit, doesn't it? And it's okay. You, I think kind of the historical protocol was, gosh, if you're going to go to church, you have to kind of have things all together first. So I need to, I, I need to get my life in order, and then I'll go to church. Uh, I, I think what we're saying is, no, that's not the case. That hey, what what better place to get your life in order and get stuff together? So if, even if you're a little beat up, you know, if you've been around the block a few times, uh, what do you say? Rode hard and hung out wet. Is that how that works? It's put away wet. I don't know what that means. Well, I don't, I don't like horses. I got bit by a horse once, and I've just sworn them off ever since. Uh, but if that's the case, no, come as you are. But this is a healing environment. The idea is you get better. So we come as we are. We don't stay as we are. Uh, we all grow together, and that's really... That, that brought us to our, our second week, and last week Kevin talked to us a little bit about the church being a family. Uh, we grow together as a family. We come in maybe a little bit beat up, but we, we move forward, uh, and, and really when, you, when you're in the, in the family, uh, and, and we, I love, I, I, this is so bad, I, love, I, I, don't, I like watching cops sometimes because these, these folks out in Redneck Nation, I mean, they just fight for their family. I mean, you know, Cousin Bobby here, he's on meth, and he killed somebody, but my gosh, I'm going to fight for him. You know what I mean? They stick up for the family. I just, I like that. The rest of it's a little iffy, but um, well, I don't, my point was, we, my point was, we, we, we do, we take care of each other in the family. That's what we do. We fight, we fight for each other, and we fight with each other. I, I, I love, I've never seen that movie that you shared the clips from, uh, the, the, you know, but I love that little line. The little girl says, he was in, she's talking about this crazy space dog. And she, but he was an orphan and we adopted him. That's what she says. And then she says, Ohana means family. Family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. That's the way it works. That's the way it works in the family. 
you know, you come in, the little thing had claws and fangs. And I think sometimes people come in, they kind of have claws and fangs. They're a little bit, but that's okay. That's okay. We're still, we're, you're still part of the family, even with your claws and fangs. We're, we're going to fight for you. It reminds me of, most of you know, I do a lot of work with Vineyard Missions and work with a lot, our, our guys that do a lot of international stuff, especially in Latin America. And one of the things we say a lot in Vineyard Missions is if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. I love that. I, it's really, really true. I, I know anytime if you've ever been anywhere with a large group of people, you know it takes a whole stinking lot longer to get anything done, right? You go to a restaurant, there's two people. Okay, we got a table right here. Oh, there's 12 of us. Well, it's going to take two hours for you to get a table because we only have two tables that seat 12 people. I, I, we go on missions trips. I, I like taking teams on missions trips. It's a lot of fun, but it just takes forever to get anything done. You know, you try to get 12 people through security at the airport. I mean, it's just like, I want to shoot myself. But if I, if I get the mindset before we go, hey, it's going to take time, it's slow, but we're going to go a lot farther, we're going to have a good time together, then it, then it all really makes sense to me. And, and here's the deal. I've, I've concluded, you know, at this point in my life, I want to go far. I, I'd rather sl- take my time and help this guy along that's struggling a little bit and work together and maybe not get there as quickly, but I really do have a, a desire to see how far we can go together. And that's the idea of the church being a family. So uh, today I want to pick up uh, and do the third little circle and talk about the church being a, a place of learning, a school. So let's, let's pray and we'll do that. Uh, Lord, just uh, open our hearts to receive your word today. pray that you would uh, help us to, to learn and to grow in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Take a quick look at... Um, passage that we call the Great Commission. Uh, I think it's a key passage in, in this regard. This is uh, Matthew 28. The, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus uh, meets with the 11 remaining disciples. Uh, tragically, Judas had taken his, his own life, and so he was no longer with the group. And this, this is a uh, confusing time for the disciples, you can imagine. I mean, you think of... What had happened, three years or so, they walk with Jesus, they follow Jesus, and then what had happened in the course of the last, you know, let's say eight to ten days? The Holy Week, the whole ride into Jerusalem, and the crowds, and then the, the you know, the up and the down, and, the, and, and then the accusations, and then Jesus' arrest, and, and his crucifixion, and then, and then his, he's gone, and then he's back. It's so confusing. So hard for them to think they, you know, they're they're with him and they're swearing allegiance to him one minute, they betray him the next minute. It's just they're a confused group of people right now, and I can imagine how that felt. You ever felt like that? You ever felt they? I love that. What says they worshipped him, but some doubted. Anybody ever been there? I have. Uh, sometimes I worship God. I say, Lord, Lord, I, I don't, I don't understand. I, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. You know, uh, you, you, you say, 
uh, we pray and you're going to heal. And I have people that I love that aren't getting healed. And you say you're going to change lives. And I got that one guy I've been praying for for years and his life isn't changing. How does this work? I, I worship. I'm, I'm thankful. I want to believe. And yet I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. And I think that's how they felt right then. Uh, here, here's my point in this, though, is that it's, it's pretty much universally accepted that this commission, what Jesus said to them right there, is it was not intended just for that group, that this really is for all the followers of Jesus, okay? That it's, I don't think it's unique to the vineyard or to this church, that what Jesus was saying there is, is our commission as his people in the world today, that Christians, disciples, followers of Jesus are all commissioned to continue the kingdom ministry of Jesus. That when he said, go and make disciples, that 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 exhortation was not just for them, but for all of his people. And that includes us today, that that's what we're to do. We're to continue the kingdom ministry of Jesus. And and if you were going to just like, you know, crunch that down to to one little phrase, that would be it. Go make disciples. That's what we're about. Spiritual reproduction. Go, go make more followers of Jesus. And what do you do with that? Or how does that happen? You teach them to obey. The process of making disciples involves, as I said in our intro a few weeks ago, both information, that's teaching, right? Information and formation. That's the obey part. It's, it's not just information, it's formation. We, we not only learn something but we become something in that process our 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 lives are transformed and changed it it really does involve both the words and works of jesus and that's so so important so often i think we find in the church today the emphasis is on the learning part the studying and knowing part and sometimes sometimes that's sort of seen as an end in itself that's what I need to do. I study the Bible, I learn what it says, and then I'll be more spiritual, I'll be more mature, I'll be a better Christian. But the truth is really... <coughs> sorry about that. that what, the <coughs> what that really ends up being is it's a lot like going to med school for eight years and then getting a job at McDonald's. I mean, the truth is there's nothing wrong with a job at McDonald's. It's just that if you've gone to med school for eight years, you've learned a whole lot about how to do something, but now you're not doing it. And to be quite honest, I think that's what the end result is of learning and studying and knowing the Bible and not doing it. I, I, I think the tragedy of the church today is that there's a lot of Christians. I, I would go so far as to say millions of Christians out there who know a whole lot more of the Bible than they ever put into action in their lives. And so Jesus' commission wasn't just to, to know and to learn. It really was to make disciples to, to be learning so that we can then live that out. We're living and doing as well as knowing. We, we in the vineyard, we use the word equipped rather than educated, okay? If you're educated, you know, you, know you, you learn about something. You learn something. If you're equipped, you're prepared to do something. I think of it as, as like, and we'll talk next week, Kevin will talk a little bit about the army, but to me, the military is the best example of that. You know, if somebody joins the Marines, you're going to learn some stuff, right? 
But you're not going to learn really in a classroom, maybe sometimes, but what, where are you going to learn? You're going to learn out on a training field. And I've seen those videos. I, I don't ever want to do that. They jump over walls and they crawl through the mud and they shoot guns because they're, pre- they're prepared to do something. Then, then they're going to go do that. They're going to they're going to they're going to fight a battle. They're going to defend their country. I, I don't frankly, I don't want guys that have been in a classroom doing that. I want guys that have been out there crawling through the mud doing it. I want them prepared and I want I want to know that they really know what they're doing. So th- that's what equipping is all all about. It, it's it's learning and preparing ourselves to to do something with what we've learned. This is this is so key, I think in our understanding of what it really means to make disciples, but it's also been a, it's been a key thing, uh, you know, uh, for the vineyard. Um, we had a, a magazine. That, there it is. Oh, I went too far. It doesn't exist anymore because magazines don't really s- exist anymore. I mean, I guess they do, but does anybody read them? I don't know. Uh, Equipping the Saints was the vineyard magazine for years and years and years. It was a phrase that John Wimber used a lot uh, he really believed, you know, Wimber really believed that his call in life was to equip, equip the saints. That's what, that's what he believed God called him to do. When he formed the Vineyard Movement, he, that's what he believed was his purpose in the kingdom of God was to equip the saints. People would say, outside people that didn't know, they would, they would view it from a distance. they said, well, John Wimber has a healing ministry. Or John Wimber has a signs and wonders ministry. John would never have said that. He would have denied that to the very end. I don't have a healing ministry. I have an equipping ministry. People get healed because I, I believe God's called me to equip them to, to do that. You never came to, ever, nobody ever came to a vineyard event and waited in line for John Wimber to pray for them. That didn't happen. That was the antithesis of everything he believed and stood for. When we were younger, much, much younger, Donna was about 15, looked like she was 12. Uh, on a Sunday night, we had ministry time, and people came up for prayer. And this lady came up, and Donna said, well, can I pray for you? And she kind of said, well, I don't know. And she walked over to Bob Fulton, who's our associate pastor at the time, and said, Bob, this little girl came up to pray for me, and I just would, I don't know if you have somebody, you know, more somebody else to pray for me. And Bob just said, well, you know, if she can't pray for you, there's probably nobody here that can. See, that's the essence of, the, of, of equipping the saints. That's the essence of the kingdom of God. That's the essence of making disciples that she has every bit as much ability to pray for the sick as John Wimber does. That, that's what this is about, you guys. That's what this is all about. It really is. It really is. This, it comes from passage in Ephesians. I'm going to move on because it's not good for me to hang there very long. Um, such a key, key passage in the understanding of how this works. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. That's so important in the process of making disciples. I wanna, well, here's what I want to do. I want to look at this passage that this comes from um, in a little bit of detail this morning. won't take very long. Uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 16, but here's my disclosure, okay? I'm going to give you my disclosure. I'm going to read 1 through 16, but I'm going to leave verses 8 through 10 out. 8 through 10, if you're familiar with it, are the part where Jesus 
ascended and descended and went up and down. It's confusing and it doesn't really fit in the flow of thought. So if you're concerned about that passage, what I want you to do in the questions that we sent, they're sending in, right, for the questions series, send me a little question about what does that mean and we'll talk about it then. But for today, I thought it would be more of a distraction, so I'm going to read this without those. Now you know. I'm not editing the Bible. Just, I told you. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. So again, I want to I break that down a little bit and then I'll give a summary of Paul's thinking at the end. Uh, but here's the beginning of this. I just think, this, there's a, I think there's a couple of really key, key things in here. The first one is this, that... <coughs> His exhortation is that we are to keep our unity, right? He says that, preserve your unity. Uh, To do that, we have to recognize that it already exists, right? We we have unity. I think we tend to get this out of order a little bit in the church today. Sometimes we think that if I am humble, gentle, kind, loving, etc., etc., that will create unity in the body, right? Wrong, wrong. Unity, our unity is in Christ. Our unity is in Him. Our, we, we, we are, we have unity, we are unified because He created us, He brought us together and we're all part of His what? Family. They forgot, they forgot, we're all part of His family. So we have, we already have unity It's in him, but as we live a life worthy of our calling, what we're doing is we're preserving, we're maintaining that unity. We don't allow the enemy to come in and divide us. The way that we prevent that from happening is being humble and patient and gentle by living a life worthy of the calling he gave us. That's how we do that. So our unity is in him. We already have unity. We preserve it by walking it out and living it out. There's a, a little bit of a tension in this, and I think this is also an important point. On one hand, we have unity, right? We're all part of the same family. We're together. But on the other hand, he says, each, to each one grace has been given, and, and the, the, the connotation there, and we understand from the, you know, the overall picture of Scripture, that what that means is that we're all, we have unity, but we're all different. We don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same calling. And according to uh, Paul right here, we don't even all have the same grace. To each one grace has 
been given. So we have unity, but not uniformity. We're not all the same. We have, there's a diversity of functions, diversity of gifting. Unity will be preserved as we recognize that and understand that, and we allow each person to function where they're at to do their role, not want them to do our role, but them to do their role, and we allow them to do that. And we understand that we're all working at that in different times, in different schedules. We're not all in the same place at the same time. Unity is preserved when we really recognize and appreciate that. You really can grow to appreciate that. You can grow to appreciate, I'm thankful that not everybody does what I do and that I don't have to do what everybody else does. I mean, that really becomes clear, you know, like during worship. If I were to come up and sing, it wouldn't be good. It would be bad. Nobody would like that. It would be very distracting. See, there's this, we, we all have a different role. That's, that's how it works. When you, you look at, like, Paul's teaching on the body in 1 Corinthians and you have this understanding, you really see how very important it is that we allow that in each other's lives. That we don't, we, we, we don't want everybody to do what we're doing. We say, hey, what am I called to do? What am I about? What am I for? What's my gift? What's my grace? And we do that. I mean, we need them all, right? It works so much better if we, need, if we have them all. Look, if everybody was a great singer, but nobody did anything else, I mean, worship would be nice. But not a lot else would get done. There's a diversity. If we were all doing the same thing, I think it not only would it not, it really wouldn't be unity. It would just, it would kind of be creepy, wouldn't it? I mean, a little bit. It would be kind of like step food. You've got to be old to know what that is. Uh, I, need new, I need new illustrations. I've got to update my repertoire. Uh, The school is really a process of discovery. That's what I like about, I, I, I really do, I love this about the church. It's a process of discovery. There's this formational thing is happening. We're growing and we're learning and we're <coughs> helping each other grow and learn. And we're watching that happen. It's a process that's, that's really being worked out before our very eyes as different people. I love when I see the light bulb come on in somebody. I really do. When all of a sudden... They, they find what their, their role is, their gift, their thing, and they start to walk, walk in that. It's just such a precious thing to watch that. I love that. I, I, really, I really, really do. And, and, and really, because it's a school, because it's formational, that's why we approach spiritual gifts the way we do. It's, we we want to learn. We have to grow in them. They're not, I think sometimes, again, we think somebody gives you, a, you know, God gives us a gift. Well, it's, it's a full-blown. It's all there. The truth is, God gives you the gift, but it's like any gift you get. You've got to figure out how to use it, right? If you've got to put it together, it's going to take you about two weeks. I mean, I, somebody gives me a box from Ikea. I'm just like, give that up right now. Spiritual gifts. Somebody has a word from the Lord. What do we say? We say, hey, I think God is saying thus and so, and so if that applies to you, take that. That's how we approach spiritual gifts. We don't say, thus saith the Lord. Look, here's the deal. If you're Isaiah, and I don't mean if your name is Isaiah, if you're Isaiah, you can say, thus saith the Lord. Everybody else says, hey, here's what I think God's saying to me today. You know, and and that's okay. It's okay because we're learning and we're growing. It's a process that we're growing together in. See, that's that's the whole idea. I've completely lost my place. Uh, uh, I'm going to move past that. I'm going to move. I just skipped about ten things. Um, 
The role of leadership, the uh, apostles, prophets, it says, pastors, evangelists, teachers, is to equip the body for works of service. So that tells me two things. One is that's our job. Our, our job is works of service. We serve. That's what we do. That's what, that, that's what we're for. That's what we're about. That's our identity. Our identity is we serve. We, we, J- Jesus served, and our identity is in him, and we serve. That's what we're created to do. That's what God gave us to do. If, if we're doing what we were created to do, that should not be a drudgery. That should be a joy, Right? If you're doing what God created you to do, that should bring joy to your heart. That should be our attitude towards serving. I think this, I think we've missed the boat. I, I think we think serving is a burden and it's hard to do. We haven't realized how healing serving really is. Ser- serving is, it will bring fulfillment into your life like nothing else. I had a kid once uh, when I was doing youth, my youth group came to me and he says, oh, I'm, I'm so depressed. I'm having a hard week. My girlfriend broke up with me and my dog died. And, you know, he's just having a hard week. I said, well, hey, I, I can, I think, no, let me help you out. Meet me after service today and we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. He said, okay. So he comes after service and I go, come on, we're going next door. We go next door. We had a warehouse and we were we used to serve lunch to people. I forget what it was called, but we had a we served hot lunches on Sunday afternoons to homeless people. He goes, "What are we doing?" I go, well, "We're going to go over here, and we're going to make burritos today. That's our job. You're going to be on this line right here, and you're going to roll burritos and then hand them to people." And he goes, "Well, but I told you I was having a bad week. It's so hard." I go, "I know, but just trust me." And so, you know, he did that. <laughs> Pretty soon, you know, he's, he's laughing, he's talking. I just, I watched the healing process. I watched the restoration come into this guy's heart as he realized that, hey, you know what? My week's not really nearly as bad as some of these folks. This guy's been sleeping in the rain all week, and this guy hasn't had a meal in two days, and so I'm here. And so there's something about serving. That, the works of service, first thing, is that's what we're created to do. That's what we're for. This, the second thing that this tells me is that the leadership, our job, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, our job is to equip the body to do that, to help prepare people to serve. That's, that's what we're for. We're, our job is to help prepare people to serve, uh, to, to prepare people to do delegated tasks. And, and here's the thing, to, to equip people, I mean, to prepare them, I think, is this. It, it, the connotation to me is that people need to be prepared. We need to be repaired and prepared to do works of service. Repaired is like we talked about earlier. Sometimes you come in and you know you're you're a little beat up, and and so you you need some healing first. And where does that happen? In the hospital, right? It's a place of healing, and it also might happen in the family because that's a place of belonging. I don't belong. I don't fit in. Well, now you have a family. Now you belong. Now you're healed up. Now you're prepared to go to school and get prepared to join the army. So can you see a little bit how the, those the different aspects of the church all work together. Can you see how, those, you know, it's, it's not one or the other. Really, the, the way this thing works is as we move, you know, we move fr- around. And sometimes you go back and forth a little bit, don't you? You know, you're in school, maybe you're in the army and you get shot. So you've got to go, you go back to the hospital for a little while. It's just the way it works. But that's how these four things function together. I, I think that's really what the church is about. That's who we are. That, it, it, it makes so much sense to me when I think of it this way. Um, what happens, 
when when that's functioning the way it's supposed to, here's what happens. The body of Christ will be built up. Um, The result, the end result of works of service is that the body of Christ will be built up and will, will grow in unity of faith and unity in knowledge of Jesus. See, as we serve each other and others, we serve, we grow, we attain, it says. See, we have unity already in our identity. We're, we're unified in Christ. But now what we grow into is unity in faith and unity in the knowledge of Jesus. We grow together in our understanding of who Jesus is and how he works and our faith in him. It really grows together. And it's, it's a, again, a precious process. Um, I want to, this is, I think, maybe the most important part about today, I think, uh, the comment here on this. P- Paul's focus, his concern here uh, on growth and maturity, I want you to really see something, is that uh, we don't grow, we don't mature individually. We grow, we mature together as a body. We said in the, in the first week I talked about the hospital, I said healing happens in the context of relationship. Remember that? And today I want to say this, maturity happens in the context of relationship as well. We cannot become more mature alone. It's absolutely impossible. You cannot become more mature in Christ by yourself. You cannot become more mature in Christ by yourself. Look, up, look, look what he says here. Then, who will no longer be infants? We, we will no longer be infants. Who will grow? We will grow. How will we grow and how will we no longer be infants? As each part does its work, we, we really grow together. We grow together. We mature together. God brought us in, in unity together to grow together. We don't grow by ourselves. When we start thinking, it's one of those attitudes that really rubs me the wrong way. Well, you know, I'm mature. I'm not like those little milk-sucking Christians over there. Uh, <coughs> wrong answer, I think. No, no. You, you, you have completely missed the boat. No, we mature together. I can't be any more mature than you are right now because if, 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 if I'm doing my job, I'll, I'll, I'll help you along and we'll grow together. As each part does its work, that's how this thing happens. The school is very hands-on. I don't know, what do they call that when kids learn by doing stuff? Huh? Yeah, that's, what I, that's it. I was going to say kinetic, but that's different, right? Uh, so, yeah, but it's, it's very much that. It's kinesthetic, where it's a very hands-on thing. It, we're learning by doing. It's a learning environment, and sometimes, you know, the learning environment, I, I love that because those, those classrooms, they make a lot of mess. It's not very neat. And I, that's the way the church is, I think. We're learning by doing. But sometimes that's messy. You know, just stuff gets everywhere. I'm like, oh, sometimes I go, oh my gosh, look at this. Then I just like, oh, that's so cool. I love it. Uh, each part does its work. To quote a wise man, uh, Christianity is not a spectator sport. So we got to get in the game. We got to get in the game, guys. Everybody, ha- if, if we're, the way we mature, the way we grow, the way our understanding of Jesus becomes clearer is each one of us works and does our part. You know, I really think this whole thing works best if we don't, uh, well, let's just, none of, you know, well, if so-and-so would just, I wish some people would get up and do their thing. I mean, I wish this guy would get off his butt and start working. Let's forget that. No, 
Maybe this body will grow. Maybe we'll be more mature if I decide that I need to do my part. If I give what I'm supposed to give, I think this thing will work better and we will all grow together. That's what I think Paul is saying right here. The school is so important because we learn, we grow together in maturity and we become really, you know, if you read this, who Jesus has called us to be when we're all doing what what we're supposed to do. So let me... Here's, a, a, I think, a brief summary of Paul's line of thinking over these verses, and then we'll pray. We're unified in Christ. We already have unity because Jesus created us in unity. So, because of that, keep your unity. Keep it. Don't let the enemy tear that unity apart. You keep it by, by recognizing that we have different gifts, different roles, different grace, uh, different, get, we, we, different functions, and as each one does their part, that unity will be preserved. It's unity in diversity. And the the leadership roles are to equip people to do works of service, and the way that you grow is by doing those works of service. You carry out service, and the more service we do, the more unified we become, and the more mature we become. That's really his line of thinking here. That's that's like, you know, what he's saying. The, the, The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are chosen by God to equip or prepare God's people for works of service. Service will build the body up in love. The body will then be equipped to do, as each person is equipped to do what they're called to do, fruit will result. It'll be quantitative. Uh, I, I think it'll, you'll grow in numbers. And qualitative will grow in depth of understanding of who Jesus is. So I, I hope you can see how the four functions all work together. Next week, Kevin will talk to us about the army but for today, I would say it's not one or the other. It's not either or. It's all and. This is how the body works. We, we really do want to function in all this. Oh, I lost it. My goodness. Sorry, honey. <laughs> so bad. It was a cute picture. Now I'm completely messed up. Uh, you know, just... Uh, uh, close on the church i just think this this is an important part they're all important to me but the idea that that we're that we're equipping we're being prepared to do something and it's dysfunctional if we just learn and don't do it that's the deal and we're growing and learning together we're all doing different things but we're growing and learning together and we can bless each other we bless each other as we do our part and help each other do their part i want to i want to be an encouragement to you to do what you do that's that's really all i want ever want to do my only goal is to encourage you to do what god's called you to do if I can in any way help you to do that, that's what I want to do. Okay? So, uh, let's stand. Can I have worship people? Maybe not all of them, just a couple. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, the bass and the drums. Um. So today I thought we would put this into practice a little bit. I, I Earlier, uh, after Shane had that word after worship, you know, nobody responded, but let's just maybe today as we close, uh, if you'd like prayer for something, and, and it could be anything, I guess, related to the message today, it might be, if you don't know what your role is, we can pray that God will help you discern. Or if you do know what your role is, but you don't quite know how to work that out, pray that God will help you work that out. But if there's other things in your life as well, if there's healing, you need healing, just anything. We've got some really cool people here that will pray. If you guys would come up, we would love to pray for you and minister to you today. So we'll just close with a little bit of worship. And if you'd like prayer, just make your way up to the front and somebody will come meet and pray with you.